Maroon and Bold. We talk about the CMU men's and women's basketball teams, plus we toss in a little bit of football. All of that and more coming up next on Maroon and Bold. Welcome into Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Austin Chastain. And sitting across from me is the young bull himself, our staff reporter, Christian Boer. Christian, how's it going, man? Not too bad. How about yourself? Can't complain, man. How, how'd that first week of classes treat you? You know, not bad. Um, I'm only going four days a week instead of five now. Uh, Thursdays are pretty loaded, but I did that on purpose uh, so that I got a Fridays off. And I think that that's, you know, uh, it's huge for me. Absolutely. No Friday classes. You know, you can go hang out with some friends, you know, head back head back to your hometown, uh, do what you want to do with your your entire Friday. That's a for sure. unique opportunity that a lot of people strive for but might not be able to get here at CMU. So good on you. And actually, yep. I'm in the same boat. No Friday classes. So How about that? I, I like it a lot so far. You know who's liking CMU right now? Who's that? Jet Duffy. Jet Duffy. Transfer quarterback from Texas Tech coming in, transferred away from the Red Raiders, and now he's going to come play for the Chippewas. Christian, I, I, I know you, you've kind of studied this guy's film and some of his statistical breakdowns, so tell me what, what there is to know about him. Yeah, so this guy, uh, three years at Texas Tech, he's he kind of got thrust into the, the starting role last year after their starter went down, and the numbers um, are fantastic. You're looking at a guy who only played in 10 games and threw for over 2,800 yards, uh, 10, or 18 touchdowns and five interceptions. There is a, a bit of a red flag. Uh, he was originally going to go to Tulane and did not meet the academic standards there, and also he's had a couple of you know issues off the field. But on the field, this is a guy that makes Central Michigan – an even bigger contender than they were last year for the Mid-American Conference Championship. You know, they went to Ford Field and played in the championship game last year, and I think with a guy like this who, uh, at least in my by my estimates, is, is a more talented than Quentin Dormady was, and throwing the weapons, every, pretty much every receiver coming back with Khalil Pimpleton and Ja'Cory Sullivan, he's got all the weapons. They've got a talented quarterback now. I, I would say right now Central Michigan is, if not, one of the the favorite to win the Mid American Conference. Yeah. Now, you you did mention that he's had a couple of issues off the field, some Title Nine issues, some sexual misconduct issues. Yeah. He, Do you think he's going to be able to stay out of trouble while here in Mount Pleasant and be able to see the field in the fall, and you know, obviously, stay out of trouble throughout the fall. You know, he'll probably come in around April, you know, March for spring ball. And I think one of the things about Coach McElwain and his staff, you know, Charlie Fry, Rob Akey, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, but looking even further beyond that with guys like Albert Karshnia, you know, who's the director of personnel here, uh, it sounds like we've got a pretty good staff in place. Um, and I think that they're, you know, they're going to have to do their job and. I think they're going to keep this kid in check, and I think if everything goes well, like I said, he makes him an instant contender. Um, and I've got faith, personally, I've got faith in the guys like McElwain to, to do their job, and I think that, that they, you know, whatever there needs to be sorted out gets sorted out, and I think he's on the field when, when the season starts. Now looking, you, you kind of already touched on, you know, the fact that he's got, because the, the Big 12 is known for explosive offenses. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Oklahoma, not mistaken, Baylor was pretty good this mm-hmm. year. Oh, yeah. Texas Tech had a little bit of a down year, but still, 
I'd argue a little bit more of an explosive offense than CMU. So my question, and you're, and again, you already mentioned it with all the weapons, you know, with Pimpleton, with Sullivan, Ty Scott, whoever is going to be playing tight end, maybe Bernard Raymond, maybe Tony Polgin if, you know, he sticks around, sounding like he might, but we're not yeah. too sure on that. And then you have Kobe Lewis in the running game, really mm-hmm. that entire running back the uh, whole running militia, really. I yeah, mean, because yeah. those guys, those guys did really well this year and look to have another pretty good year this year with Kobe Lewis leading the way. I mean, do you think this guy can f- fit in and have instant success? I know you kind of already said it, but like, yeah, yes, I do. You know, this is a guy that went over 400 yards against Oklahoma State. This is a guy who went over 300 yards uh, five times by my account. That was just last year. Um, a real talented kid. He's got a good arm. Now you did say that the the defenses aren't as good in the Big Twelve, I, and I and I think that maybe it's not that they aren't as good. I just think that there's less of an emphasis, and I think that a lot of offensive minded skill guys like to go out, you know, to the Big Twelve where they because of the schemes that are out there, and that's why there's so so much talent. Like you're going to see the number one receiver off the board is going to be C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma, if if not Jerry Judy at Alabama, obviously, but. The, the point I'm trying to make is that the talents, all they all flock out there, and I think that's part of the reason why Duffy had such success at Texas Tech because, you know, you're throwing to talented guys everywhere, and there's not going to be a downgrade coming to Central Michigan on that front because Khalil Pimpleton, Ja'Cory Sullivan, both first-team All-Mag guys last year, Tyrone Scott, the start he had last year, you know, against Albany, these are guys that are all going to be talented, and who knows what next year brings in terms of freshmen. You know, Ty Scott was a freshman. You know, you got some guys that redshirted, and also some names you didn't hear a whole lot about, like Keontae Nixon, Bailey Edwards. These are all guys that could maybe get incorporated into this scheme even more next year. Right. I remember in training camp, I actually got a really cool photo of uh, Keontae Nixon. He was up in the air, and he made a one-handed catch, and I was like, man, he's going to have a big year because of that, that one photo. But yeah. It didn't quite pan out that way. But, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, and it'll be really interesting to see um, how a quarterback – like uh, like like Duffy comes in and yeah, how he can take. I, I'm most interested to see if he can come in and take command of the offense, kind of like what Quentin Dormady did this past year, and and Correct. David Moore did it when when that when Dormady got hurt and stuff. I'm interested to see how Duffy comes in, yeah. takes command of a team that he hasn't been with, um, you know. And how how much different he is than maybe Daniel Richardson, maybe even D- David Moore, like we said last week. Yes, that he, he we're, we're not, we have no idea what's going on with him. Um, speaking of last week, make sure you check out last week's episode. Uh, Andrew Leveland and I talk a lot about all the Central Michigan sports. Um, Maroon and Bold. Make sure you check that out. Christian, la- last thing on this guy. I mean, any any final parting words? about Jet Duffy. You know, I think that he's just going to do what Quentin Dormany did and take it to the next level. Dormany went over 300 yards just one time, and that was when he threw the ball, you know, 38 times. Um, you know, the good thing about Dormany was his completion percentage hovered right around 65-70 for most of the year. Um, but I would compare Jet Duffy's skill set more of like David Moore. And you know, when, when Moore was in, in the, in the limited audition, I would call it that he got before the whole suspension – Charlie Fry really opened up that playbook. You started to see him throw it around a little bit more, throw it deep down the field a little bit more. I, I take you back to the Eastern Michigan game when David Moore threw a couple of passes that went over 70 yards. 
I think that's what you're going to see a lot of next year. I think you're going to see Duffy try to get the ball to guys like Pimpleton and Sullivan downfield as opposed to on, say, hook routes or slants or corners. You're going to see Duffy really try to air it out, and I think that that's going to be a big change that you're going to see come fall. Another team that's – another Central Michigan team that seems to be constantly improving, just tearing it up, honestly, in, in the Mid-American Conference. The women's basketball team mm-hmm. – has started out strong, undefeated so far in MAC play, and earned a really gutsy road win. Come from behind over the arch rival of Western Michigan down there in Old Kalamazoo at Reed Fieldhouse. Christian, uh, I know you you followed along with that game. Tell me a little bit about how the Chippewas were able to come back and beat the Broncos. Yeah, so they got down by eleven late in the third quarter. Western went on a run, and the Chippewas really, really needed a spark, and the person that started the run is a name that she had only hit one shot all year before this, and it was Sophia Karasinski, a redshirt sophomore, who's coming off an ACL injury, and she's looking better and better every time she gets out on the court. She's looking more and more confident, and if she can get going, you know, where she, coming out of high school, she was an all-stater, a three-point shooter, and that's kind of the element that she looks to bring to this team once she gets to full strength and full confidence. And she hit a jumper to cut the lead to nine, and then Molly Davis, off of a steal, hits a floating three-pointer running into the bench at the buzzer. A phenomenal shots. I believe uh, I believe our CMU Athletics, I think, has the clip on their Twitter. Check that out. Um, but, you know... Looking back on it, and then in the fourth quarter, Michaela Kelly took over like she does. Molly Davis scored 12 of her 19 in the fourth. And then Gabby Bird, obviously, who has turned into double digits every single night. As a senior, word on her, she's definitely picking or peaking at the right time. Uh, looking at her statistics right now, she's 49% from the field, which she plays in kind of that guard slash forward role. She plays where she needs to play, and that 49% is phenomenal for her role. She's up to 21 minutes a game, which is something that really nobody coming off that bench has. You know, in years past, Central Michigan's only been seven or eight girls deep, and this year they've gotten to nine, even ten in some games, and that's one thing that's really, really changed and makes them a real contender come March. And when we talked to Heather Osterley in the beginning, or I guess in the preseason, she said that she, as other all, almost all the other coaches would tell you, is she wants her team to peak in March, mm-hmm. to play their best basketball in March. Do you think this team might be peaking just a little bit too early, or do you think there's still more growth that they can find? There's definitely more growth out there. Um, first, looking at one name in particular, and this is not saying that she's had a bad year at all, but Maddie Waters has kind of, eased into a role as kind of where Michaela Kelly's Batman and Molly Davis playing as that point guard has kind of turned into Robin. Um, Maddie Waters has kind of become Robin's Robin. And she's just a, kind of a spot-up shooter right now. She's From beyond the arc, she's shooting 42%, which is phenomenal. Um, but she still, I think, has another gear, and I think she's going to hit it eventually. Teams are going to start taking away from Kelly, obviously, Kelly, you know, what's she at right now? 23.9 points a contest. That uh, I've always been a firm believer, believer that water finds its level. Um, she her, her production is going to inevitably tail off. How much it tails off, nobody really knows because she's obviously a very talented player. But Maddie Waters is going to become a part of this offense, an in, integral part of this offense, and I think that's going to be what helps find, the Chippewas find their extra gear. Seeing you plays a game at Eastern. 
in Ypsilanti on Wednesday. It's coming. This is coming out Wednesday, so it's, the game's tonight. But I'm, I'm looking ahead to Saturday against Toledo, right? It is against Toledo. Yes, Toledo. That's right. Part of a doubleheader, men's and women's doubleheader. So the women play first at 1 o'clock. Both these games are in McGurk Arena. Yep. Women play at 1 o'clock men are against, at against Toledo. And the women, the men, wow, the men play at 4.30 against Ball State also on Saturday. So, and we'll get to the men here in just a little bit. But Christian, um, and, and maybe not so much focusing on Toledo itself, but what does Central Michigan need to do to come out and win that game on Saturday? They're going to have to to score a lot of points. You know, Toledo, traditionally a very good defensive team. They're just okay this year. Um, but the one thing that that totally, they're they're second in the conference, but that's kind of an off year for them. But what Central Michigan did against the number one scoring defense just a week ago, Ball State, they beat them at their own game. Uh, you know, with a 63-39 victory at McGurk Arena. So in order for Central Michigan to, to beat Toledo, they're just going to have to do what they've been doing all year, and that's putting up a lot of points. Michaela Kelly's going to just have to be Michaela Kelly. You know, you get 20 from her, and then you throw in maybe 15 from either Molly Davis or even Maddie Waters, and Central Michigan could skate through that one. Obviously, Toledo, a pretty good team in the MAC, and they're going to challenge CMU for the MAC West crown. But Central Michigan, they just they just got to keep playing their game and continue to progress, and they should be able to handle that one. Who's, I think that who's who's the the dark horse of this team? Who's the one person, the one player on the roster that, if she emerges. I would say mid mid February, l- late February, even maybe even early March. Who's the who's the one player on the roster that you think could absolutely turn the tide and almost guarantee Central Michigan the Mid American Conference? And I'm talking the tournament, the whole shebang. Okay, I'm looking at some numbers here. Um, one thing I forgot to mention: Gabby Bird is plus 116 on the season, which. Uh, for those who don't know what exactly the plus-minus metric measures, it's simply how does the team do while they're on the floor. And so when Central Michigan has Gabby Bird on the on the floor, she's 100. They're they're 116 points better than the team they're playing, um, and that's absolutely impressive, especially when she's coming off the bench and maybe doesn't get or at least didn't get as much time as some of the starters at least early on in the year. So. She keeps that up. Central Michigan is extremely dangerous. One other number, though, that I'm looking at is Jahari Smith, sophomore center. The athleticism's there. You know, the talent is there. Defensively, she's been very, very good. Offensively, the numbers aren't quite as impressive. And I think that if she can get going and become kind of a fifth scorer, uh, play off of Kira Bustle as to where Bustle is kind of a stretch four, if Jahari can kind of make a presence in that paint, right now on the year, she's minus 20. And as a starter on a team that's, what, 12-4, and four, not great, but there is definitely room for improvement. Season's about halfway over. If she can turn the tide in the second half and become you know, that, that paint present, she doesn't have to score double digits a night. She's just got to be around 8-8, eight and eight, uh, which she has been doing recently. Um, she's been a consistent rebounder for him, but if she can contribute offensively, even if it's, you know, like I said, 8 points a night, she be, she makes them that more dangerous in the front court, which is extremely, extremely crucial. And then again, you know, guards win games in March, as we know. And so if Michaela Kelly sustains what she's doing, then the Chippewas are going to be a force to be reckoned with and possibly even 
a mid-major team that can make a run. Deep run? Are you, are you calling a deep run in the maybe NCAA tournament? You know, they got to get there. They got to get there, and it's not okay. going to be easy. With the MAC East is loaded with Buffalo and Ohio, and even teams like Kent State. You know, it's not going to be an easy one, but. You know, they get there. The team that gets out of that jumble, you know, in this Mid-American Conference because there's just so many good teams, the team that gets out of it is going to be very, very dangerous and a team that that bigger squads don't want to see on the first weekend, regardless of who that is. Now looking at the other side, the other side of the coin, the men, CMU men's team, took a took a 19-point loss at home. It's first home loss of the season to Buffalo 86-67 I kind of I'll, I'll tell you that see Buffalo went on a number of runs mm-hmm. created by CMU turnovers there were there were two stretches that I looked at um in the second half one towards the beginning and one kind of towards the middle stages about the six seven or six or seven minute mark where CMU had three turnovers on three straight trips, mm-hmm. and that led to Buffalo scoring easy buckets on the other end. And that's what allowed Buffalo to stretch its lead to, I believe, as many as 25 Yeah, um, at one point. Now, that was a little bit closer to the end of the game, but still, CMU did, in the second half, really just didn't, didn't play very well uh, in terms of holding the basketball and able to... And they just weren't able to make much either. They they struggled shooting the ball, and they turned it over far too many times, far too many quickly. Because I think they only finished with 16 turnovers compared to Buffalo's 15. But they, but the the frequency of the turnovers was just what what did seem you in for that game. Right. So so Christian, I, I'm I know you you've kind of followed along with the men's team a little bit. Um, but and when you and I were talking a little bit before we we came on the air, what uh, what what was that you were telling me again? You know, I, I I'm not I'm not sold on this this Chippewa team being a contender in March in the, within the Mid American Conference. I think that there's a number of things that they could do to Im- improve that standing. Now, granted, I'm obviously you know I I I'm not I'm no expert on this when it comes to. Uh, who's in and who's out on the bracketology field, and, and then even in, as you move further on from that within the Mid American Conference, who's going to be who's going to be where? Because it's too early to tell um, in terms of seating and standings. And but a couple of stats really jump off the page for me, and this is why I'm a little bit concerned about this Central Michigan team. Um, they scored nine fast break points against Buffalo, while they allowed just 14. You know, looking at games that they win, and Moving along, they they just you're not they're not going to win games when they only score nine fast break points and are forced to play in the half court. That's just not how they play, because you know there's a correlation with the way they play and the talent that they have in guys like David DeLeo and and Dallas Morgan, where they're 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 shooters and they make their money on running in transition and getting their feet set and you know pulling up for the three pointers. And here in a week or so, David DeLeo is going to be the number one three point shooter and in Central Michigan basketball history, and props to him for that. You know, he's going to hit it sometime probably in the next three games. But, like, even against Miami of Ohio, they're scoring 16 fast break points. They scored 14 second chance points in that win over Miami of Ohio to start the Mid-American Conference season. Looking back against, 
you know, Buffalo, they, they did get 13 second chance points, but they also had eight shots blocked. And that was when they were forced to, you know, go to the rim. Devontae Lane was forced to attack off the dribble. And I think that's one thing that teams are identifying as a way to beat Central Michigan is you've got to take guys like Dallas Morgan and David DeLeo, who are factors in transition, uh, and take them right out of the game and make guys like Devontae Lane and Deshaun Winston make plays off the dribble. And that's one thing that Central Michigan hasn't necessarily shown that they can do. Um, now, do I think they can turn it around? Absolutely. And one of the the another deciding factor in that loss to Buffalo is Dallas Morgan, your team's either best or second best shooter, depending on how you feel about him and DeLeo. Two for thirteen and zero for six from beyond the arc. Um, he's not gonna. I mean, he's a guy that you need double digits from if you're gonna win games. Looking back at the Toledo win on the road when he was twenty two points, and that was the you know that was the difference. Absolutely, and and. Kevin McKay also being injured. Again, we believe it's an ankle injury for, like he had before. Uh, Keno Davis isn't. It doesn't necessarily elaborate on injuries. It, he kind of goes based off what each athlete would like to discuss. That's what he told me. Um, so not 100% sure the nature of McKay's injury. All we know is that he's injured. And they're hoping to get him back for the Ball State game on Saturday, which, again, because I stumbled on it last time, doubleheader in McGurk Arena on Saturday. The women play at 1 o'clock against Toledo, and the men play at 4.30 against Ball State. There. I got it right that time. So, and you're absolutely right with with what you said. And the minute McKay comes back, um, it, it, I think it creates yeah. a, a better dynamic because he can, he can drive the he ball. Can, yes, he can. That's what he's really good at. They missed him against Buffalo. They really Absolutely. did. They missed him because he is a guy that can create off the dribble. Now, is he going to make his money shooting threes? Now he's not. He's not necessarily a, a three point shooter per se. But I, he, th- I think he's attempted three. I think he might have only attempted three threes so far this year. Let me double check that. But I'm pretty sure. Okay, he's he's, no, yeah, he's, he's attempted fifteen. He's attempted and he's only 15. made one, correct? He's made one, but he's still a sixty-seven percent free throw sh- or three-point shooter. So I, I I wasn't even close with any. He's of that. a point zero six seven three-point shooter. Oops, that's less than one. And like I said, I he's can't not, read. <laughs> like I said, he's not going to make his money from beyond the arc. But one thing he and he's the lead and he's yeah he's still the leading scorer on this team. I mean that's kind of astounding. You know, for a team that loves to play in transition, they love to shoot three-pointers, their best scorer is a dude that's made one all year. Um, but that's because he's 66% from the field. That's you where the him, 66 comes from. Yes, if you get him inside, you know, the arc, inside that free-throw line, he's automatic, he finishes through contact, and then you get him to the line, he's a 75% shooter, which, I mean, I guess for a for a – a guard that's not great, but he makes his mo- he makes his money as a big guard, as a po- almost like a post guard, um, which is kind of a dying breed in college basketball today. But credit to Kevin McKay, he does his thing, and once he gets back, he's gonna play di- pay dividends for Central Michigan. And I think he he alone can make them into a contender. Another guy that I would like to point out, just because this guy continues to impress me, is Romello Burrell. Um, the numbers don't jump off the off the stat sheet at all, but this is a dude where anytime there's an available rebound, he's after it. He 
he's diving for loose balls, he's blocking shots at the rim, and you know he's converting on his free throw attempts for the most part, seventy percent, which for a big guy isn't isn't half bad. He's only going to give you three three point three points per game, but you know seventy seven rebounds, which is near the top on the team, and he's getting maybe half the minutes everybody else is getting. So his effort alone sticks out, and I think that. There's some other guys that maybe take a little bit of stock into this, you know, the way this guy plays the game, because, you know, that maybe this a little bit of this heart is what they need, and obviously Romello's a guy that comes from a junior college, like a, a number of these guys do, and I think the impact that that he's leaving on his teammates through his effort alone is something that can push them to a, a MAC tournament winner too, and put them in serious contention for a championship. So you, you mentioned a lot about about the effort of Burrell individually, but what about the rest of the team? I mean, it like, and just thinking about it, the team is really gutsy. It's really yeah. gritty, like just like For it was sure. last year with Larry Austin and Sean Roundtree. That team could battle its way back from pretty much anything. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, they, it, yep. and sorry to cut you off, but no but, worries, no but worries. watching that Buffalo game, it didn't, and watching the Purdue game too. They were down, but they they never actually quit playing. They never just said, "Okay, we're gonna throw the towel in. We're done." They kept battling, oh, yeah, which right. is something you know you can say about that about every team. But I think this team has a little has has a, a bit of a different fight in its heart. They definitely do, and I, I'll reference the the NIU game when they you know, got down double digits. They were down twelve and maybe thirteen at one point in that game, and led by guys like McKay and. Devontae Lane, you know, they, they went out, they did their thing, and they came back and won it at the horn. So me, me mentioning Romello Burrell's effort is not a knock on the rest of these guys. They've all got that dog in them, and I think that one of the guys especially, and this is just because this guy plays with his heart on his sleeve, and I really, really respect that, is Dallas Morgan. Dallas Morgan, the way he plays the game with the effort, and every time he hits that three-pointer, he's trying to get his teammates excited through – just the way he handles himself, you know, he's flexing, he's out there, he's not scared of anybody, and that's another thing that these guys like to feed off of, it appears, is, you know, him out there flexing, he's he's diving after loose balls, he's chopping it up with the opponents, he's, he's to me, been the most improved from a year ago to now, simply because he's become a well-rounded player. You know, he like I said earlier, he loves to make his money and transition in with the three, but he can get to the rim, he can finish with contact, and he's just a leader. When you watch this guy play, his teammates look to him and they look to DeLeo, but he's got that fire that maybe DeLeo doesn't necessarily exert, you know, in terms of physical emotion. Well, I mean, he he'll still give a little Sally when sure. he when he hits a triple. For sure. He'll yeah. give the windmill he'll give the windmill 3, which is his oh, signature signature celebration, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I would argue that Dallas Morgan is definitely the leader, the emotional leader of mm-hmm. the team. Um, whereas you know guys like McKay and, and DeLeo are both, I guess, leaders in terms of, and, and Lane and Devontae Lane too, put, putting guys in the right spots to go execute and go score, and, and that's yep. uh, ultimately, of course, that's that's the that's the point of the game is to score more than your opponent, and mm-hmm. having you know having really three three seniors and well four four seniors with Rob Montgomery kind of leading the way for that I, th- I think that's gonna help CMU I don't I don't know if you know to I'm not I'm I'm nowhere near ready to say oh yeah they're gonna they're gonna win the MAC championship because I I at this point I don't I don't I don't really see that being a championship team but there's I pieces could see, there's 
the pieces are there, and I, I think they just need to put it all together to become that finished product that Keno Davis always talks about. And I will they be able to? We'll see. That's the beauty of college basketball is we still have effectively two months, I guess, two months to see right. how this team does. And, you know, going back to Keno Davis, let's talk about him. And uh, we mentioned all the dog and, and the grit and these guys, but Keno Davis, Buffalo got, got up on him big. He never stopped coaching um, and earned a technical foul. Um, that was a very weird situation. I'm, not, I'm still not exactly sure who it was. I think it might have been Rob Montgomery. Somebody told me it was Romello Burrell, but I'm pretty sure it was Rob Montgomery. Had a shoe just completely explode, kind of like what happened to Zion Williamson last year. And... Keno wanted a, wanted the officials to stop the game. And right. and he had already been in the officials' ear pretty much from the opening yeah. tip, as he normally does. What, credit to him for being consistent he with fights, that. He fights for his guys. He fights for his guys. And and I keep in mind, this. there's like maybe a minute left in the game. He's still coaching. He's, He's still, still coaching. He's still battling. And, again, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it was Montgomery had his shoes just completely explode and – the official, he, I think he had to burn a timeout, and he was. I, 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 I don't think I've seen him that angry in that moment, he's, and he, he, he earned the technical, and he got his money's worth. I'm, I'm honestly, kind of surprised he didn't necessarily get thrown out of that game. Like I say, with a minute left, I mean that would have yeah, been pretty dramatic, but for sure. But he, he was really upset. And yeah. all he wanted was just for the officials to stop the game because a guy blew his shoe out. It's not right. that you know it just came untied and he can just quickly retie it. No, it 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 straight up exploded. Yeah, and that's credit to Keno for for sticking up for his dudes and and really really caring about his guys because that's the impression I get is that he genuinely cares about his players and I think the players care about him too and that's why you know this they've already got the tight knit group they've got it together now they just need to have some some guys. Take that next step. I think if Devontae Lane can become that lethal finisher around the rim like Larry Austin was last year, uh, you get Dallas Morgan hitting some shots in a big game. Trevon Trevon Broadway kind of jumping into that Sean Roundtree role where maybe he's hitting from the outside. He's doing a little bit of everything like Tree could last year. And then guys like Deshaun Winston, Romello Burrell get going off the bench and that's when you start to see teams like this make a run now granted is it's it's easier said than done and that's why only one team you know makes that there's only one or two mid-major teams that make that run because those pieces all come together like that but I mean it's there it's just a matter of connecting it and guys last week we last week I, I mentioned that we're taking questions about both the men's and the women's basketball teams and really just anything CMU sports related so make sure you hit up Christian on Twitter, Andy Loveland, who was on here on with me last week, make sure you hit him up on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter as well, um, and of course our CM Life and CM Life Sports accounts. Uh, you can also email us at sports at cm lifecom Ask us, ask away, and we will answer your questions. Hopefully, in the form of a story, if we can figure out and we can get enough questions from all of you guys, but. Christian, any final thoughts from you? Nope, just it's going to be another exciting weekend of Chippewa basketball, and you know you throw in some wrestling there. They're doing well. Gymnastics is getting ready to start their season, so it's 
as always, it's an exciting time to, to follow Chippewa sports. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, just a quick note. I mean, the gymnastics team got has gotten off to a pretty good start, winning both both of its uh, absolutely both of its matches. A, a try meet against, uh, I believe, Illinois State and Michigan State. Yep, it was at Michigan State. At Michigan State, and then taking care of, uh, I believe, Eastern Michigan um, on the road to open Mid American Conference competition. So, gymnastics will come home on February sixteenth against Kent State wrestling, which defeated Southern Illinois Edwardsville on Sunday. We'll be back in Mount Pleasant on February the 7th against Buffalo for three straight home duels. Looking strong right now for pretty much all the Chippewa teams. Absolutely. You know, if that, and also, uh, baseball. Baseball starts in – softball and baseball will start in just a couple of weeks, so obviously make sure you keep an eye out for that. But I think that's it. Yep. Well, guys, thanks thanks a bunch for listening. Make sure you keep up with all of our stuff on Twitter. Of course, check us out at, at CM Life, at CM Life Sports, like I mentioned before. Always make sure you keep up with our stuff and the rest of our great content at, over at cm-life.com. But for now, he's Christian. I'm Austin. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week when we meet again.